All right. Please open your Bibles to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you need a Bible, and you really need a Bible today, uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture. And so uh, having a Bible would be really important. You can look on with a neighbor, but let's just hope they can uh, keep up, right? If you need a study sheet, the ushers are in the aisles right now. You have to get their attention. A study sheet will help you greatly today. So if you need one, you didn't get one when you came in, just raise your hand, get their attention, and they'll bring one to you. That'll help you very much today. Study sheet. Title of today's message is Faithfully Keep. The words of God. Our text is 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. And with that said, please follow along in the opening paragraph. The Word of God is the agent that delivers the gospel, pointing our only way to true, true salvation. The Word of God gives us practical help to navigate through life, and it does indeed. The Word of God reveals our purpose in this life and tells us the means to accomplish it. Throughout Scripture, it equates itself to bread, water, honey, milk, meat, and other dietary staples, sustaining us both physically, yes, and spiritually. It's a sharp two-edged sword to protect us from seen and unseen enemy assaults seeking to destroy our life. Without the words of God, we would be utterly hopeless. Think about that. How would you know anything about where the earth came from, the universe, the world? I mean, what would you do? You'd have to make it up yourself, and that's what I stayed here. Without the words of God, we'd be utterly hopeless, wandering on planet Earth, following our own carnal instincts until our death. That's where all false religions came from. They don't receive the words of God, and so they make it up, and it's, it's terrible. No hope, no comfort, no salvation. No wonder Paul told Timothy, in his last recorded letter, and that's this letter, to hold on tightly to these sound words. If you look with me in chapter 1 and follow along as I read our text today. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for preserving your words for us. That we can read our Bibles and trust exactly what it is that you're saying to us. Lord, right now, the operation standard operating procedure that you've designed for this time is faith. 
one day it's going to be by sight, but right now it's by faith, and we have an opportunity to, to learn your words, to read your words, to believe them, to receive them, and, and just allow you to work through your Spirit in us to change us, to make us more like your Son, and it's not always a, a painless. Sometimes it's very difficult to have the Bible as a mirror revealing what we really look like. And so today, I pray that your words would be magnified. I pray today we would remember and maybe for some realize how important your words are. I pray if there's anyone present this morning who's never come to you on your terms according to what the Bible says and receive Jesus Christ alone as their Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. And for believers, that they would hold tightly onto your words more than ever before. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, point number one. Hold on tight to the words, the words of God. And by the way, this is not a study today on the King James Bible or the words in the King James Bible. We're going to get to that when we get to uh, chapter 2. Oh, we're going to get to that in chapter 2. But today, uh, when I'm speaking about the Bible, since I'm speaking to uh, an English-speaking audience, and with some exceptions... Uh, English, uh, there's a few of you uh, that uh, that is not your first language, uh, but primarily uh, English is your first language uh, here. And so uh, God has preserved His words for English-speaking people in our King James Bible. And although that's not the subject matter today per se, when I'm referring to the Bible, to you, to this crowd, uh, I'm talking about your King James Bible. Now I'm going to go in two weeks and I'm going to preach in... Uh, Monterey, Mexico, to a, a plethora of pastors and leaders, and I'll have a translator. And so when I speak to them, it will be the Bible that they're using in Spanish. It's important that you trust and believe the words that you can read and understand. And so that's really the subject matter today. Hold on tight to the words of God. Now here we find that the words of God are to be retained and maintained. And although... I believe verse 13 is absolutely uh, clear. Uh, there are critical instructions that I believe need some further definition. So let's look at the first part. He says, hold fast the form of sound words, comma. So we're going to look at that part first. Hold fast. That's an interesting term. It's an ancient sailor's term used in foul a weather, and it means, I printed this out on your study sheet, it means to grab onto rigging or something solidly fixed and secure in order to prevent from being swept overboard. Boy, that's a good description of the Word of God, isn't it? Something you need to hold on to. That's some rigging that you can get your hands around and hang on so you can be kept from being swept overboard. When a shipman in Bible times used these words, it meant to bear down and fight through the storm, and my friends, life's journey takes us through many tumultuous storms, does it not? 
And we have the Word of God to, to hold on to. And I believe the Apostle used this terminology because he spent time on ships, and especially those that were tossed to and fro in a storm. You know, I so appreciate uh, how the Holy Spirit uh, uh, inspired all of the authors of the Bible to where it reads like one book, and yet each author of each book, each letter, uh, God used their own personalities and experiences, and they come through. And this is one of those terms. You know, if you remember back in uh, Acts 27, uh, Paul was uh, headed uh, as a prisoner toward uh, Rome, and he was, uh, he was on, on a ship, and it said the south wind was blowing, and it was warm, and it was nice, and then all of a sudden, it stirred up. And you guys remember the, the term that was used there for that, uh, that tumultuous wind that came along? Arachlodon. Arachlodon. That's in your Bible. And so Paul knew a little bit about that. That Arachlodon created a shipwreck, and he survived, of course. So he knew a little bit about holding fast. And these words, these very words that he's talking about to hold fast to are mentioned and spoken of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8 and verse 47, Jesus said, He that is of God heareth God's words, plural words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you're not of God. So you have to ask yourself, do you hear God's words? Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Well, I tell you, if you want to get saved, you've got to come to God on his terms, not yours. You've got to do what the Bible says in order to be saved. You need to do what the Bible says in order to be safe after you get saved. Yeah, those are the words we're to hold fast to. And not just that, it says, if you look at verse 13 again, it says the form of, the form of these words are to be held tight. And that word form, as it's used here in this sentence, is a noun, it's a noun. It means the specific manner of arrangement concerning various component parts. What do you think of that? An ordered composition, composition of many elements. Well, that describes the Bible, does it not? I mean, think about it. The Bible is a, a, a combination, a compilation of many historic records, uh, chronicles, uh, devotional writings and narratives. Uh, it includes laws and instructions and commands, rebukes, warnings. It's got songs and poems. Uh, letters, like we're studying today. Uh, prophecies and revelations. And all its components are organ organized excuse me, <clears throat> in a perfect manner. Every book... Every chapter, every passage, and every single word is in the exact place God has chosen and preserved. And that's why it's called the form of sound words, you see, because these words are in perfect formation. They're in perfect formation. They're brought together in a perfect formation to be your completed Bible. What a blessing it is to have a completed Bible. 
I think of those saints in the past during church history, especially in the Inquisition, and they didn't have, uh, they, they were very fortunate to have a copy of the Bible. And they, they would have just pieces and parts of letters, and they'd write them on the inside uh, of, of their coat and shirts, uh, because if they were caught with those, those precious words, they'd be, they'd be killed, they'd be martyred by religious people, by the way. Those words are precious in those days. The words of God are precious. And boy, it's like, it's like Tommy said, we don't want to take those things for granted, do we? I mean, most of us have more than one Bible in our house. The words of God, and they're very, 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 very precious. The form of these words, this components and parts all brought together. And they're indeed sound words, right, correct, well-founded, stable, logical, and sensible words. And I wrote this down. I hope you'll, you'll ponder this. And again, we're going to get to this when we hit chapter 2. But they're complete words preserved without provable error throughout history. You know, and it's, it's like this. It's when people hear the Word of God. Whether they admit it or not, whether they believe them or not, they know in the depth of their heart, in the depth of their conscience, no, no matter how seared their conscience is, they know these words are true. They're sound words. They're true words. They have power. This is a living book. It's powerful. It's powerful because it's God's words. They're sound words. The soundest words that you'll ever read. They're piercing and penetrating, aren't they? I mean, if you believe them, and if you want to hear them, they will pierce your heart. They will penetrate into the depths of your life. What other words can do that? When the Apostle Paul told Timothy to hold fast the form of sound words, he was telling him to grab onto the words of God so tightly that no one or thing could take them away from him. There's a lot of people today trying to take away the words of God from you. They're trying to pollute the words of God, changing the words of God, even though the Bible itself warns us three times in the beginning, in the middle, in the end, not to monkey with God's words, not to subtract from them, not to add to them. A lot of people trying to rip you off today. He knew that if Timothy, or any one of us for that matter, had these words removed from our life, we'd have no vision, no guidestone, no compass, no weapon, and no purpose. The words of God are so important to your Christian life, you can't survive without them. Really, when you look at our church, I mean, we've got a lot of things going on, a lot of ministries, a lot of stuff happening. But really, we're here to help you know these words. We're really here so that when you leave in your home and things are going through your heart and mind and the circumstances of your life uh, begin to overcome you, you can open up your Bible by yourself and understand what God has to say to you. You can understand God's words. You know, there, by and large, and we're going to see this in just a moment, but by and large, God's words are not hard to understand. He didn't write the Bible and say, 
all right, now it's a big book, go and, go and try to figure it out. It's not some kind of game. God wrote the Bible to us to reveal truth. He preserved the Word of God to reveal truth to us. But the strange thing is, is that if, if you don't really believe the Bible, and you, you might say you do, but if you don't really believe it, if you don't act upon what it says, you don't really believe it, then you really can't understand what it's got to say if you don't have a right heart attitude concerning these words. We're here to help you know them through preaching, teaching, Sunday school classes, Bible studies, and one-on-one -on -one discipleship because it's these sound words that are going to change your life, not any of us. And notice that it says, go back to verse 13, he says, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me. That's Paul. These are Paul's words, but it also includes the entirety of preserved Scripture. Let me show you, uh, hold, holding your place here in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians. Just go over to your, your left, and you'll come a couple of books, and you'll come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He's writing to the church in Thessalonica under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And look at the compliment that he pays to this church. <clears throat> look in verse 13. Look at what he's thankful for. This is Paul, Silvanus, and Timotheus. They're on a missionary journey, and, and they've traveled back and forth and been in Thessalonica. And he writes this letter to them after they'd been with them. He says, For this cause also... Thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that what? His words along with the entire Bible, are God's words. They, when they heard Paul speak, they, they had Old Testament scriptures. They had parts of the New Testament that had been penned already. Uh, perhaps uh, the Gospels, at least one copy, at least from one writer of the Gospel, probably all. But at this time in history, uh, they would have known this is the Word of God. It's written down. It's, it's preserved for us. And then that when they heard Paul come along and speak, they believed his words were also the Word of God. Paul's words were equal to Scripture. But I want you to look at this again. This is when you heard the, when you received the Word of God, when you received the Word of God, which you heard of us, you received it, received it, received it. Not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. Now watch. Which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So one of the ways you can tell if you really believe the word of God is that it effectually works inside of you. Think about that. It will effectually work inside you. If it's not working effectually inside of you. Now, you may not get exactly everything you want. You will get what you need, though, I can tell you that. But if you don't receive it and believe it, it doesn't have any power. I can't tell you how many times I've 
poured my heart out with people that were in trouble. and said, man, and it's not just a trite thing to say, man, please memorize this verse, but more than that, don't, don't just memorize it and try to sprinkle it over your problems if it's going to do something magic in your life. No, no, no. If you'll just memorize this and hide it in your heart and believe it and respond to this, it will change your circumstances. It might not change the way the things are unfolding, but it will sure change your perspective on it. And I can't tell you how many times people say, yeah, 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 I, oh, no, yeah, yeah, I tried that. You don't try that. You believe it and you receive them. And it will effectually work in you. Paul's words are the very word of God. You can see that that was the point. Uh, Peter believed Paul's words were equal to other scriptures. Turn over to 1 Peter. Go back over to your right. 1 Peter, I'm sorry, 2 Peter, excuse me. 2 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> Look in verse 15, Peter is writing, and look at what he says, very interesting. He says, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Boy, aren't you glad the Lord was patient with you? I know I am with me. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Now, if you look in chapter 3, in verse 1 of this chapter 3 of this epistle, he says, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. So this is the second time he wrote from him. I'll hold your place here and turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. Told you we were going to bounce around a little bit. 1 Peter chapter 1, look in verse 1. Opening verse, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Uh, the strangers, these are Jews that are not in their homeland. Now, these are saved Jews, but they're not in their homeland. They're called uh, strangers and they're scattered. And so back, if you go back to 2 Peter chapter 3, He's writing this second epistle unto these same people. And so, when you read verse 15, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given him, hath written unto you. So Peter wrote to them twice, and I believe, personally, this, this is a testimony, just I believe this, personally, that this is a testimony that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Do you see that? He wrote to these Jews. Peter did twice. Paul did too. He wrote something to them. As also, verse 16, in all... That was just a freebie there, by the way. That was supposed to be funny. All right. As also in his epistles, Paul's epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. <laughs> well, I'm glad that Peter said that. Aren't you glad Peter had a little bit of trouble reading some of Paul's stuff? I just said the Bible, by and large, isn't hard to understand. It's just hard to believe, isn't it? 
But you know, there are some things that are hard to understand, that, especially things Paul wrote, like the book of Hebrews. And again, I think that this is testimony he wrote, the book of Hebrews. I think uh, 1 Corinthians of 1529. I think Romans 9. I think there are some things that Paul wrote in his epistles, and some things are hard to be understood. You really have to work them and pray and, and just ask God to reveal these things to you as you compare Scripture with Scripture. He says, As also in all his epistles, Paul, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable, yeah, rest, uh, uh, that's not R-E-S-T, it's W-R-E-S-T. They rest, they twist, wrestle. They, they, they manipulate these words. As they do, here it is, as they do also the, say it with me, other scriptures unto their own destruction. Now, you could just read right over that, but do you realize what he just said? He equated Paul's writings to the whole of the Bible. He just equated Paul's writings to all the other scriptures in the Bible, all the Old Testament authors, all of the Bible. Right there. Peter believed that. He believed Paul's words were equal to all other scriptures because that's just what he said. These sound words are the written, written and preserved words of God and are more sure than the audible voice of God. Go back to chapter 1 of this second epistle of Peter. Just turn over a page. <clears throat> We're in 2 Peter, not 2 Timothy, 2 Peter chapter 1. Now let's pick up here in verse 12. Peter is writing and he says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, the things that he, he said in verses 1 through 11, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle, referring to his body, it's a temporary dwelling place for the Lord. He's going to get a new body one day like me and you. You know what we're going to do? We'll fly away. <laughs> And we'll get that new body. We sang about that. He says, Yea, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. And, and I'm so thankful. You know, sometimes, you know, you think, well, I know that. Well, it's good to hear it over and over and over and over again. Amen? I remember years ago, uh, Aaron, you help mark my place because I'll probably forget what I'm doing up here, okay? But I remember years ago, um, I worked in the medical field and uh, I was on, a phone, on the phone with a man. Um, his daughter was dying and uh, she didn't have any money and neither did he. And uh, he uh, needed some equipment take care of her in, in his home before she passed away. And uh, I just had a big heart for him, and so I just said, hey, anything you need. And we had a list of stuff, and I just said, we're going to send all this stuff to your house, and you can just keep it, you know, until that day. And just use it for free. And I'm not here to boast that I did that. I'm just saying, I, I had a heart for this guy. 
And, and, and God just burdened me to share the gospel with him. I had lots of opportunities back in those days to share the gospel. So I began to tell him my testimony, and I shared the gospel with him in entirety. And I probably spent 20 minutes on the phone, and he listened, and listened, and I kept saying, are you there? You know, making sure he didn't. I, I guess he probably wouldn't have hung up because I'd offered to help him. And I worked him through the whole gospel. And I got to the end, and he said, uh, that was beautiful. He says, I'm a born-again Christian. He said, I loved, loved that. It was great. Thank you. Now, you have to understand the context. When he said that to me, I'm like, really? I didn't say this to him. And I'm like, I just spent, you're saved. I just spent all of this time sharing all this with you. And I did say it kindly to him. I said, wow, if I'd have known that, I, I wouldn't have shared all these things with you. And then he said it. He said, oh, no. He said, I, I, I love to hear that story. You know, even though you know things like that, don't you love to hear it over and over again? You know the gospel, don't you? Most of you in here. Don't you love to hear that story? Man, I never get tired of hearing it. Well, Peter wants to make sure that we're in remembrance, verse 14, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle. He's about to die, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Uh, if you look in the Gospel of John, the, Lord, uh, the end of it, the Lord prophesied that, she, that Peter was going to give his life up for his faith. Verse 15, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. And check it out, we're reading it. He did just that. We're reading his epistle. He accomplished his mission. Verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice, an audible voice, to him from the excellent glory. And this is what it, what it said, what God said. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this, what? Voice, this audible voice, which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. So hold your place here. Hold your place and turn over to Matthew 17. I told you we we're going to jump around a lot. Matthew 17. And we're going to go to that very event. And this event is referred to uh, as the transfiguration of Christ. It's where Jesus Christ uh, revealed on the mount, revealed him. His true identity. Verse 1, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, Peter, Peter, James, and John, his brother, uh, James and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. He exposes his true identity as God the Son. 
And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias or Elijah. When he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. They heard, now get it, they heard the audible voice of God. They heard it with their own ears. They saw Jesus. He, he didn't peel his skin back like in a Halloween movie, but I mean, he revealed who he is, God the Son. The Shekinah glory of God shown in Christ because he's God in human flesh. And they heard an audible voice. Back to 2 Peter chapter 1. We heard it. We've not followed cunningly devised fables that people made up. We were eyewitnesses of His majesty. We heard the audible voice of God. He said it twice. This voice, this vo and this voice. Now watch, verse 19. We have also a, what? More sure Sure word of prophecy. More sure than the audible voice of God, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the what? Scripture, and that's what he's talking about, this more sure word is, that no prophecy, we have a more sure word of prophecy, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Boy, that kills every conversation, doesn't it? Well, that's just your interpretation, right? Oh, listen, we can know what God has to say to us. There's some things Paul wrote that are a little hard to understand, but when we compare Scripture and script, with Scripture, we can understand what God has to say. Sometimes it's really clear. Other times we need to dig a little bit deeper. But no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. If somebody can't show you and confirm things with other Scriptures, you've got to look at them and wag your head and say, I don't know. We're looking to have confirmation, a more sure word, more sure than the audible voice of God is the Word of God. These sound words that, he told, that Paul told Timothy to hold tight on to, are the preserved words of God, and they're more sure than hearing the audible voice of God. Matter of fact, if, if you heard uh, uh, an audible voice come out of heaven, how would you know it's God? How would you know? Well, you know what? You don't need it, because you got this. So if, you heard, if you're hearing audible voices, then you know something. It ain't God. Because He documented everything painstakingly and preserved it over the centuries for us. And we have a completed Bible. You know what you need to do with it? Hold fast. Hold on to it tightly. Because this is the Word of God.
more sure than the audible voice of God. Well, that's powerful. And you're in 2 Peter. These are not the words of men, but the inspired words of God. Look in the last verse of this chapter, verse 21. For the prophecy of Scripture came not in old time by the will of man. They're not cunningly devised fables that somebody made up. But holy men of God spake as they were moved, as they were inspired, moved by the Holy Ghost. Yeah, moved, inspired. These words are so valuable, nothing can compare to them. Every believer is to hang on the words that God has given unto us. Look forward to hearing them. We're told to hold fast and not ever let go, no matter what any scholar or any pastor or, or, or any internet teacher or false teacher tells you, you hang on to the words of God. And church, according to verse 13, if you go back to 2 Timothy, he says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Hold fast the words, hold the words fast in faith. In other words, as we've already seen in 1 Thessalonians 2, believe them. Receive them as if God is actually speaking to you because He is. Believe them. Faith applied from believing the words of God has substance and is always, always accompanied by evidence in your daily life. Hold your place here and turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. You're not far from it. It's to your right, Hebrews 11, if you're newer to the Bible. Just go to your right till you come to the book of Hebrews, a book I believe that Paul wrote. Hebrews 11, this is the great chapter of faith, and he gives lots of examples Look how he starts this off. He says, right here, he says, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, I should have listed this scripture on here, and you can write Romans 10, 17 down if you want, if you're taking notes, write Romans 10, 17 down. It says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So faith is believing what God says is true. It's substantive. These words are, have substance to them because they're sound words. And they're always accompanied by evidence. Because when you respond to these words, it's a testimony. Things happen in your life. You can prove it. You know, I know when I've trusted the words of God, it's the same for you. I've trusted the words of God, and, and there have been times when I've been in difficult circumstances, and especially in relationships with people or, or difficulties and dealing with them, and I look at what the Bible says, and I got my own ideas about how I want to deal with things. Are you guys with me on that? Oh, I know you are. You've got your own ideas. And the Word of God uh, sometimes will be different than what I really want to do. And I'll be looking into this book, and I'm like, Lord, I know that I need to do that, but I don't want to. 
I try to be honest with God because when I hear myself say stuff like that, it doesn't sit well. I don't want to, but I know you're right. And I do believe you. And so I'm not just going to be like, well, all right, I'll do what you say. Like my kids did when they were young. But I want to have a right heart attitude. I'll say, Lord, uh, I'm struggling with this, but I'm going to do it because I believe you. And I don't know what lies ahead. I don't know what is going to happen ahead. You guys with me on this? I don't know what is going to happen. Because some things that the Lord asks us to do or tells us to do are they difficult. Are you with me? And so I'll move that way, just like you. And the Lord, maybe, maybe right away, maybe sooner, maybe later, things happen. Because they're substantive. They're, they have substance to them. They're sound words. And when I get over here, now I can turn back and look. Oh. And see all the things that that choice of faith back there had produced. There's evidence of what happened. Huh? You guys know this is true, right? They always want to hold fast the form of sound words. Words that Paul spoke. Words from the entire Bible. And you want to act on them by faith, believing them. Now look in verse 6 of Hebrews 11. It says, but without faith, and faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The kind of faith God, people have faith in a lot of things, don't they? Well, if you just have faith, what does that mean? Well, if you'll just have faith. You know, I, I hear that from people, and religious people all the time. You know, my faith is getting me through this. And I, I'm not quite sure exactly what they mean. Some people I have, that, and I'm not insulting people. I'm just saying sometimes I wonder what they mean by that. Sometimes I have an opportunity to ask them what that means. And when I do, usually I find out that it isn't substantive. But faith that God's looking for is faith that believes what he said is true from these sound words. That's the kind of faith he's looking for. Having a right attitude toward them and responding by faith. Believing that these are the words of God. You see, but without faith, that kind of faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. He's speaking to you. He wrote these words. He is. Now watch. And that he is a what? Rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He will reward you with evidence. It might not be the way you want it might not be the timing that you want it, but he will reward you with evidence when you diligently seek him. And not only should you believe these sound words, back to 2 Timothy 1, what does it say? Not only should you believe these sound words by faith, but you should love them and adore them, place a high value on them. This may sound funny, but... Uh, Really, have a, have a heart for them like your first love on your honeymoon. Yeah. Love them like you love your children or your grandchildren. Love them like you love your brother or your sister. They're valuable. 
They're so valuable. They're the mind of Christ. They're, they're to dwell in us richly in all wisdom. The author of Psalm 119 describes his love for God's words throughout the entire chapter. And you know what? It's the longest chapter in the Bible. It stands out. It's right near the middle. It's just a chapter or two off from the center of the Bible. If you just close your Bible and open it up in the center, you generally end up in Psalms, and it's not going to be hard to find Psalm 119 because it's the longest chapter by far of any other chapter in the whole Bible. Out of 1,189 chapters in the Bible, it's by far the longest. It stands out, and it's in the middle. It draws attention. See, there's, there's reasons for that. It's because every verse, maybe with the exception of one, maybe two, but they're, they're still talking about the same subject. The, the, the psalmist, that huge chapter, all of, all of those words talking about his love toward the Word of God. Talks about his heart attitude toward the Word of God. Incredible. It's a great psalm. It's a great psalm, and I know this might sound silly, but it's great to attempt to, to memorize. I know it'd be a lot, but man, to memorize multiple scriptures out of it, what a blessing they are. It helps me to understand to have a right heart attitude toward God's words. See, there's many things that we do with the words of God, aren't there? In order to honor God's words, we need to read them. Right? Thank you. Uh, we need to learn them. We need to memorize them and hide them in our heart. We need to write them out. It makes it easier to memorize. We need to mark their location with, uh, uh, with highlights and notes. Making this a very valuable possession that you've invested in. We need to to mark them. Uh, we need to study these words and rightly divide them. We need to preach the words of God. We need to teach the words of God. We need to pray through the words of God. Sometimes when you don't know how to pray, you look up a, a, a subject in the Psalms, especially. Just start praying through those Psalms. We use them as a weapon against the devil and the sins of the flesh and of the mind, there's a battle going on every day, and the battlefield is right here. You need to store up a lot of arrows, a lot of, uh, 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 you need to sharpen your sword so that, uh, so that when you're confronted with the temptations of your flesh and sin, you can remember those words and act upon them by faith. It'll change your life. There's a lot of things that we do with the Bible. We believe the Bible by faith. And we may even have to. The way things are going, you never know, but we may have to die for those words someday. What about that? That's never been in our thinking, really. I remember when I was uh, newly saved, I was probably only saved a year, maybe a year and a half, and uh, a group of men from my sending church, I've been a member of two churches, by the way, and I'm the pastor of one of them. <clears throat> and I remember... Uh, we went on a trip, there were 15 of us, we went on a trip to uh, India. As a matter of fact, Carrie, I was with your, your dad, uh, Dale, and uh, matter of fact, he was looking out for me. 
uh, pretty much the whole time. There were a couple times I'd look out for him, but uh, <clears throat> and uh, we went into this place. Uh, it was a Bible college, and we went in. And we all lined up in there, and and the, the, the professor was introducing some of the people in the class and introducing us. We got to introduce ourselves and tell them, you know, we're from America, and you got to share that, you know, uh, they're. Um, Many of these young men in this class are going to be pastors. It was there uh, for many of them in there. They were seniors, and they were going to graduate, and they were going to go. Uh, many of the men were going to go to northern India. And so he said, how many of you are going to northern India? He said it in Hindi, in his uh, dialect. And, uh, oh, probably about six men stood up. And they stood there, and they had big smiles on their faces. And we were, you know, like, yeah. That's great. We had a translator telling us what had just unfolded, and we're like, hey, great. And then he said, yes, all of these men will likely not be alive this time next year. They're going to go into very dangerous areas, and they're going to give their life for the sake of the gospel. They're going into places where there are violent Hindus who hate the Lord Jesus Christ and hate the words of God, and they're going to die but they know they have to in order to, someone's got to go there first in order for the next group. And we have other men that are coming up through the college that will then go after them. And they know they're going to have to do this. Kind of like D-Day. You know, where, uh, where so many troops, they got off, they offloaded uh, from the landing craft. The Germans are firing down onto the beaches of Normandy. And, uh, you know, people are dying and they had to, take, they had to stop the, the, them from their firing position. And so some men had to go, you know, and they, they were killed. But they, they created a path uh, for another 20 feet. And then, and then another group of men had to go, and they got another 20 feet until slowly they made their way up and were able to stop them. You know, that's how the gospel is spread in many places in the world. My son-in-law said, we live in Disney world, don't we? Yeah. yeah, we might even have to die for these words. People do, even to this day, in dangerous places in the world. And they do it willingly because they know they're paving the way for the next guy and for the next guy and for the next guy. And one day, one day, those villages. I wonder what happened. That was years ago. I wonder... I wonder how many people got saved in those villages and whose eternity was changed because those brave men were willing to die for the words of God. We may be asked to do that. Lots of things we do with the Bible, but you know what? I want to say this. All of those things, I would say most of them are easy to do. Some studying, rightly dividing, preaching, teaching. It takes a little bit of work, a little bit more effort. And certainly dying for the words of God, <laughs> that would be the most difficult. But you know, all those things become real easy. Real easy to do. Even dying for them. Those men had smiles on their faces. Even, even that. Receiving the, they were receiving grace that they needed to accomplish their mission. Grace we didn't need, but grace they needed. All of that can even be easy to accomplish, in a sense, if you'll first love the words of God.
That's the most important, to love the words of God. Loving them, not, not paper, the special paper, not the India ink, not the binding, not the, the leather. No, 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 no. It's the mind of Jesus Christ. This is the mind of Jesus Christ in your hands. What an entrustment. More than most people throughout all of history, we have a completed Bible. Valuable. You know, we can't see or hear audibly or touch the Lord. Not at this time. Soon. We'll fly away soon, but not at this time. But we can love His words and trust what He's got to say to us. Oh, I hope you'll do that. I hope I'll be more faithful at these things. Second Timothy, verse 14. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Keep the words of God by the Holy Ghost. After all, the Holy Ghost is the actual author, as we've seen. I believe the sound words of God are that good thing. There are scholars that debate about what is that good thing, Paul said. Yeah, well, whatever. That's strange to me. They were committed to Timothy. This good thing was obviously something very important. If you go back and look at that good thing, that phrase in 1 Timothy 6, verse 20, don't do that. But it was his stewardship of the local church. But here it's more specific than that. The context is the sound words of God found in Paul's epistles and the entirety of Scripture. So for Timothy, this was a charge not only to hold fast the form of sound words, but specifically for him and all of us to keep preaching and teaching the sound words of God by faith and love, believing them. These words bring forth new life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23-25, through 25, "...being born again." Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by what? Say it with me. The word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. You're born again by hearing. You hear the Word of God. It's going to last forever. It's the agent that brings forth new life in that regard. How incredible it brings forth new life. These words in this book, these sound words will keep you clean. Keep you clean to please God. In Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Answer, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. It's a right heart attitude toward God's words. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. It's not merely memorizing. It is. It's memorizing, but it's hiding God's words in your heart and believing them. They'll keep you clean. And as stated in the opening paragraph, these words will sustain you in your daily Christian life. You know, uh, we've got time to do this. 
Uh, we're just about to, to close this out. But I want, want to show you the attitude of some of God's saints. Go back to the book of Job and hold your place in 2 Timothy. Now, it's a little farther back. If you're newer to the Bible, you might need your uh, contents page. Job chapter 23. Now, this is the likely, I believe, it's the oldest book, the oldest written book in the Bible. It was written in the early chapters of the historic record of Genesis and was written before Moses wrote Genesis. It's an incredible story. And, and Job speaks of all kinds of prophetic truths that are in the New Testament. But look what he says in verse 12. Neither have I gone back, Job 23, 12, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth, talking about God, more than my necessary food. Job loved the words of God. And ultimately God sustained him through the most difficult times anybody could experience in their life. Uh, turn over to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, a psalm of David. David writes here, we actually have a song. Uh, we have these words set to music. We should sing this soon. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. Boy, that's a heavy statement if you just take that right there. It's perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Uh, the Israelites sang this song. This is a psalm, a psalm. And we should too. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they, these words, these righteous judgments, these sound words, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great, great reward. Look over in Jeremiah chapter 15. Look what he had to say. Like Job, Jeremiah 15. Verse 16, Jeremiah 15, 16. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And he didn't crumble them up and chew on them. He consumed them. Like Job said, more than my necessary food. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. You serve the living God. His words are valuable. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. When he was in a, 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 a battle with the devil himself, when he was tempted in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights without food, the devil came unto him and was tempting him. And Jesus Christ said those words. 
And every time the devil offered him something or confronted him, if thou be the Son of God, if thou be the Son of God, he knew full well he was the Son of God. Jesus responded with Scripture. Scripture. For the Bible says, for the Lord saith the Lord, he responded with Scripture. Boy, that tells you something. Jesus himself used the Word of God as a weapon. Wow. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. These words will sustain you in your daily Christian life. These words equip you for service. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all, we're going to study these. All scripture is given by inspiration, moving of the Holy Ghost of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. It equips you for service, the Word of God. People say to me all the time, Oh, I don't know. I don't know what church is right. There's a church on every corner. How do you know what is right and what's wrong? And, and I, I say, Man, I, you're probably not going to like this answer, but it's really a simple question to answer. It's really simple. I got a book, and I can judge everything with that book. It's not that difficult. All I got to do is read it. Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read and study to show yourself approved unto God. It's right there. How do you know? How do you know that? Well, you know, they believe this and they believe that. How do you know? I just, it's just an excuse for them not to deal with God or church or any of that stuff. It's just an excuse. Look, you got a Bible. You got a Bible. And you can know what's true and what's not with your Bible. It equips you for service. And remember that God created the entire universe by His spoken words. Genesis 1, 3. Well, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Verse 3, And God said, God said, Let there be light. And there was light. He spoke the universe into existence from nothing. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. Hebrews 11, verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by what? The word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. His words are so powerful, He created everything you see around you out of nothing by speaking them into existence. Boy, that's my God. And as we've already said, the Holy Ghost is the actual author as He moved or inspired, inspired holy men of God to speak His words and ultimately write them down. And we read that in 2 Peter 1.21. It says, for prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You know those verses I just quoted in Genesis? The very first time the Holy Spirit shows up, He's moving. And He's still moving in your heart today. Now we'll finish with this. It's a famous quote concerning the sound words of God. Are you ready? You guys ready? 
The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here, paradise is restored, heaven open, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given to you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its holy contents. And what you see happening in our world today is because people are ignorant of what the Bible says. Throughout history, people knew what the Bible said. There were times of sheer darkness and perilous times when the Bible was removed and people didn't know, and it's just like that today. So, my friends, as Paul said, hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in thee. And the final thing I have to say is this. The author of this precious book lives inside of your physical body if you're saved. He does. And anything that you'll learn, anything that you'll comprehend, will only come as you submit to Him, God's Spirit, with a pure conscience and a right heart attitude. Would you bow your heads, please? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Christian, do you love the words of God? Your life will be so rich, if you will. Maybe today you're like, Man, I, I can't even wrap my head around that. Oh, God wants you to. And he'll, he'll help you. He'll reward you. Remember Hebrews 6? But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He'll reward you by granting you a love for His words if you really want them, if you really do. He'll grant that to you. And I'm going to pray in just a moment. Would you talk to Him? Maybe you're in here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Look, you know the Bible's true. The first step is to be saved. So don't let the temporary, temporal, the temp the temporary things of this world prevent you from receiving Jesus Christ. I know I did for many years. I knew what to do, but I just wouldn't. I knew I needed to be saved, but I just wouldn't do it because I found more value in the, the temporary things in this world and how foolish that was. Oh, listen, it's foolish to hold on to things that aren't going to last, but the Word of God is... It's forever settled in heaven. It's going to last forever. Don't let temporary things prevent you from receiving Jesus Christ. He loves you so much. God had pity upon us, and so He knew there had to be a payment for sin. He, he's perfect. He's perfect. He, he's a God of love, but he, he, He's also a God of justice. 
or he wouldn't be perfect. There's got to be justice, or he's not God. There's got to be a payment for sin, or he's not God. He's not perfect, and he is. So in his pity toward us, he, he became a man, came to this planet, lived a perfect, sinless life, becoming the only acceptable sacrifice, the man God, the God-man, only perfect one that's ever lived, the only perfect man that's ever lived, became the only acceptable sacrifice to pay the price for your sin, for your soul, for your eternity. He died on a cross. He shed his blood according to the scriptures. He rose again three days later according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. According to the scriptures, according to the Bible. He did that for you because he loves you so much. If you call, he'll answer. So you've got to call. You've got to appropriate that, that gift. Would you, would you receive him today? God, I know. You'd pray, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus Christ. I believe he died for me. I believe he was buried and rose again three days later. I believe that he did that for me. I believe you did that for me, God. I receive Jesus Christ as my personal sin bearer, as my personal Savior. God, save me. And he'll do that. So when I pray, would you pray today to receive Jesus Christ? And would you tell somebody you did that? Look, if you believe it, it will effectually work in you. Would you pray and would you tell somebody you did? Father, I do pray for those that are lost here. Pray they'd be receiving your son that all fear would be set aside or lusts of the flesh and all the things that they want to hang on to as they're counting the cost. I pray they'd only see Jesus Christ in his outstretched arms. And I pray that people would be receiving Christ as their Savior today. Maybe people have gone to church throughout their life and it's never been real to them because it's just been religion. Religion can't save you. Religion can't comfort you. And religion can't give you hope and our hope has a name it's Jesus I pray for the lost today that they would receive Jesus Christ as their personal savior and that there be evidence accompanied by that decision of faith I pray for believers today it's not easy for us to, Lord to say that we love something that we can't See, we, we do love you, and we can't see you. And so we, we say those things by faith. We pray by faith. But, Lord, we can see the Bible. We can hold it and read it anytime we want. It's laid out perfectly, divided by old and new, by books, by chapters, verses, all marked, easy to find, easy to read. But Lord, loving those words, hmm. Lord, I pray that we would love your words, that we would esteem them more than our necessary food. Lord, that we would, we would eat them 
as Jeremiah said, and they would sustain us, and we would be thankful to you every day for them. Lord, I do pray through these things, through the salvation of the lost and through a love for your word or a desire for a love for your word, that you'd be glorified in this place today. Thank you, Father, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.